Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, ah yes, the familiar scent of Causeway Kings. It's not me, it's you, and Marshall, and Clance as well, and possibly Beacon a little bit later on. Boys, yikes, a Rooney, the understatement of the century. As of today, Tuesday, uh, June the 7th, what a uh, what a day, what, what a, uh, a transpiring of events that uh, we could only have rumored and theorized about, but yet, here we are dealing with it now. First of all, good afternoon, good evening, and uh, let's jump right in. Clance, what's up, buddy? Good afternoon, good evening, Benny, Merrill, our uh, amazing listeners out there. I uh, know there's, there's been a lot going on, um, some great playoff hockey, some, you know, very, uh, I don't want to say shocking, but, you know, very alarming news for on the Boston Bruins home front. Um, but, you know, we got a lot to talk about. We got some injuries to Bruins players. That's going to leave them out for some uh, substantial time. We got, you know, trade rumors around some players. It, we got a lot to talk about, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. I mean, just a lot has happened in the last really 24 hours. Um, it's just a, a lot to get into with the future of the organization, and um, I'm sure we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about it all. <laughs> it's been a crazy, crazy uh, 24 hours. Can't say that we didn't see it coming, that we didn't predict it, but uh, we'll get into it all, what it means, and where we're going with the Boston Bruins. That's right. And let's start right off with the uh, elephant not in the room anymore, but ushered out the front door. The head coach, he is gone. And now we've got some drama. And Lord knows we cannot stand drama. But you cannot have interpersonal issues and personality clashes on a professional team like this. It's just not conducive to a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, Boys, clearly this does bear light to the truth that uh, he lost the room. He lost the room a while ago, and guys just didn't want to play for him. It's pretty obvious at this point. No one needs to say it. It's right there in front of us. Merrill, start yeah, us. I mean, I mean, we've we we kind of had inklings of this. I mean, obviously, uh, between Jake DeBrusque uh, making his trade request public or his agent doing that and he, he confirming it and not rescinding it, and uh, the article from David Krejci in the in the uh, Czech Republic uh, newspaper that came out halfway through last season um, that, uh, you know, it, it basically, you know, in translation was, uh, was not a fan of Bruce Cassidy, uh, his, his coaching techniques or his tactics and uh, the rumblings that we had heard um, just, you know, from the little, you know, birdies that we have around that are, we're saying the players were unhappy uh, or were unhappy with the team were unhappy with their roles um, and here's, here's my thing is that, you know, keep Cassidy fire Cassidy. He's a good coach. Um, did he deserve to be fired? No, I, I don't think so. But if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna slice up the blame pie, I think a bigger blame goes to overall, just looking at this entire operation. I mean, look at the players that, he's that that Sweeney is brought in I mean I think Sweeney is just as much to blame especially for his drafting so I mean the long story short if you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of the coach you should really whack the whole thing and start fresh but uh Sweeney's not doing that and uh, I think that's where a lot of the angst falls with the fan base is that 
you know, a lot of fans feel that the wrong guy got fired. I mean, my thing is, is that it doesn't work that way. Usually they're all going, um, you know, it didn't happen this time, but I, you got to think that uh, Sweeney's days are, are numbered the, the way it's going. But I mean, we're going to get into it all. Clance, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I thought Cassidy was a, was a good coach. I thought he did a lot of good things. Um, I didn't agree with some of his coaching strategies, but at, at the end of the day, like these guys are professionals and they know how to go out and play the game. Um, you know, but if, if you don't have command of your room, then you're not going to get the results you want from your, from your soldiers, as they would say, you know, um, I, I personally, I could go either way in this one. Um, but I, I, I think he could have, I think he deserved another year or two. And I think Sweeney should have been the one to let go. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's a domino effect, right? It starts from the top and works its way down. And who's above Cassidy? Don Sweeney. Who's above Don Sweeney? Cam Neely. And I right. get that they were teenage, uh, teenagers, Jesus fucking Christ, teammates for years upon years and probably a really good friend, but this is a business, like uh, an organization that's worth billions of dollars, owners that have billions of dollars, like they, they have the faith, most faithful fans in the NHL in the city of Austin. And, you know, they're calling for Sweeney's head because they feel that he should have been the one to let go and, you know, bring in another GM and let Cassie try to turn things around. And again, give it a year or two. If you get a new GM, but things are still going the way they are on the ice, then you make a coaching change. You know, you start from the top and you work your way down. That's the way I look at it. Um, but, I mean, I have not seen one positive post about him being released, uh, fired. I can tell you that. You know, no, not one. It's it's been uh, I mean, the the natives are restless, to say the least. And I mean, here's here's the way I look at it. I mean, starting at the top and I totally agree with you, Clance, 100 percent. My thing is, is that it used to be the complaint with ownership used to be like back in the day when like my dad was a season ticket holder. Was it, you know, the Jacobses, they didn't spend money and that's not the case anymore now. They got their salary cap. They were very adamant about it coming out of the lockout. My thing is, is that I don't think, I don't think ownership is engaged. I mean, we haven't heard from them since fucking before the pandemic, since basically they lost to the blues. Um, I, I don't think they're engaged a lot with the day to day. I think they let Kid, uh, Cam Neely run the Bruins and Cam Neely is real tight with, with Don Sweeney and, you know, it, it's it's very easy for them to sit there and say, hey, you know, we, they're not developing the young talent in, in a, you know, and we need to, you know, we need to move on from Cassidy's not developing this young talent, which I don't see where it is really, because it's not like these guys are going somewhere else in the organization, another organization and lighten it up. And, you know, the, the, the other thing is, is it's very easy to scapegoat the coach and, um, like, I just find it funny, like, okay, you have Don Sweeney, who we've talked about the 2015 draft, draft ad nauseum. But then you have guys that just look at the, this year, like Nick Felino was complaining about his role. He was on the fucking power play for the first 30 games. People forget that and had no goals. Like, what do you want? Like, you had power play time. What do you want? 
you know, Jake DeBrus played with David Krejci like prior to last year. Like it's not like, you know, he went long stretches without producing. So, you know, am I sitting here saying that uh, Cassidy is the greatest thing since Glenn Sather? No, but I'm saying is that, you know, culpability, it's just as much Don Sweeney as anybody else. And I think they need a fresh start. And I think it was easy to have a fresh start, but I don't think they, I think Sweeney was going to protect them. I think, I think Sweeney is Teflon and, and by proxy, so is Sweeney. Yeah, no, it's, I, I agree with everything you just said. It's, you know, if you, again, if you don't have command of your room, then Sweeney needs to sit down with Cassie and say, what can we do to change this? Instead of saying, hey, you're not winning. The guys don't like you. We're going to fire you. But then again, it's like Sweeney needs to take a look in the mirror and say, am I doing a good job? Like, yeah. I, I think I think the only thing that saved Sweeney's ass from not getting fired himself this year is, you know, he, he went out and he got Lindholm at the trade deadline. He locked up Hall for long term uh, in the offseason. Um, you locked up McAvoy, like a few key pieces like that. Like, you know, that's the type of stuff a GM should be doing is locking up players like that. But at the same time, he needs to make sure that his staff is drafting the right way in drafting the right players, which he's clearly not doing with which, an exception of a few players. And we've talked about that at great length in past episodes yeah. as well. Yeah. It, exactly. it, I'm interested to see what happens from here. Um, you know, there's now that literally since Cassidy's been fired, now there's rumblings about Pasternak not being re-signed and being traded. I was just going to say the rumor mill is on fire right now, and he's saying, hey, if that's the case, I don't agree with it. He's also saying he didn't agree with how Tory Krug's negotiations or Krejci's were handled, and uh, rumors saying that he's not going to resign to a long-term deal if Sweeney's still in the picture, and that's quite a demand yeah. of your star young player. Who basically is your go-to guy right now. If the season would have stopped tomorrow, that bat, that team is on Pasternak's back because you have Marshawn out for six to seven months with double hip surgery. You have McAvoy out for six months with shoulder surgery. You have Grizzly out for six months with the shoulder surgery. You have Riley out with a foot surgery. Um, I, I don't know who uh, – Bergeron had elbow surgery, but supposedly his recovery is only like 10 weeks. But then you don't even know if he's coming back because there's been absolute zero talks of contracts. At least to get the surgery done, though, that's the one thing I'll hold out hope for. I don't mean to cut yeah. you off, Lance. Oh, no, that's fine. It. You know, and then you, you got to think of it, okay, Cassidy's gone. Does that mean, one, Bergeron's going to come back for, a, you know, two to three years, hopefully. Two, Krejci. Absolutely. Is that the winning ticket? Does Krejci come back now after these developments? And wouldn't that be something? But then, yeah. One more thing, real quick. Um, You know, you got Krejci. You know, if Krejci says, "Yeah, I'll come back now that Cassidy's gone because he didn't like him," now is Krejci trying to convince Pasta not to stay? Because now Pasta doesn't want to stay because Cassidy's not the coach. (laughs) So it's like, what the like? What the Uh, fuck? It's like, what are you gonna do? You know, and then you you got to kind of look outside the box. Like, okay, who are you going to bring in to replace Cassie now? You're going to, you know, trot. So you're going to, um, Rick Bonus. I heard rumblings of fucking Jay Leach from the AHL, the front runner. I heard yeah, that he's too. The front runner, yeah. He just he, went to Seattle. He just left. Yeah, like, and Seattle sucked. Yeah, they were not good. 
Yeah, I mean, he was the, he's the assistant uh, coach out there. He was a Providence Bruins coach for a bunch of years, um, kind of similar to what Cassidy was. I mean, I just, you know, th- there's so many different layers to this. Um, I'll, I'll just, again, just finish up the Cassidy, um, Cassidy angle of it. Was it, did he, did, you know, for the co- for the team that you know tuned him out, he did have 107 points, which you know on, on one hand is is slightly amazing when you look at the team because they weren't like they weren't overly skilled, they weren't big, they weren't fast, they didn't have an elite you know depth in any one area. Um, they had inexperienced goaltending, and they finished fourth um, fourth best in goals against, like. I said it in the last episode, like, I'm not sure what he could have squeezed out more out of this team. Um, You know, part of me is like, on one hand is like, you know, yeah, he's a great coach, but coach can be replaced. And part of me is also like looking at these players. I'm like, these, these, a lot of these guys haven't done shit in the league. So I find it funny that, you know, they say that the coach is too hard on them, but, what have they what have they done in the league? I mean, are we talking about guys who have been on championship level teams? A lot of these guys. I mean, some of them, yeah. I mean, you know, the only two guys are on the the one cup now. Um, there's some guys that were on the 2019 team, but I mean, are we talking about perennial all stars outside of like Pasenak? I mean. I wouldn't say, yeah. I'd say Taylor Hall is a good player. He's not quite what he was five years ago. You know, they got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, they just re up Taylor Hall, but you know, everyone's talking about Pasternak. I understand that with reason. He's David Pasternak and he's going to be a free agent next year. But, you know, you think Taylor Hall is, uh, is, is, you know, he's a guy that they might move to. Like, there's so many, there's so much up in the air right now. And I just wonder how. You know, the McAvoy News 2 broke like right when we recorded our last episode. It's like, I don't I don't see this team making the playoffs next year. Like there's so much up in the air right now. There's so much turmoil. Um I, I mean I don't see I don't see where this organization goes from here. They gotta find a new coach who understands young players in the in the modern NHL player but who has NHL experience. Cause I listened to Raycroft say that, Oh, they're not going to have a coach with no NHL experience. Well, okay. Um, but they want a guy who's understanding and can, uh, you know, the, it understands the modern player. Well, I mean, good luck threading the needle on that one. Yeah. Because Heath said, it. I remember that when we talked to Heath Gordon, he was like, you know, that's just not how coaches taught us. That's just mm-hmm. not how the game was relayed and educated. You know, and uh, feelings are not part of hockey per se, but they sure have become part of the off game. Yeah, I mean, like, who, what coach threads the needle like that? It's not, it's not fucking Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is going to tell you like it is. Like, he's a defensive coach. Like, a lot of these, a lot of these coaches who've had success, like, these guys are, are still, you know, they're not going to coddle these kids. Like, Peter DeBoer is not going to coddle guy a guy. Uh, Paul Maurice, who's out there. I mean, John Tortorella, certainly not. I mean, so my point is like, you're going to, they want to still compete. You heard Cam say that. It's like, okay, you're going to bring in a guy with no NHL head coaching experience. Like, how's that going to work? You know, 
then and again, this is why work for the Celtics. Fire, saying. If you're gonna fire Cassidy, fire everybody. If you're gonna keep them, keep everybody and get rid of the players. But th- this kind of half measure is just cover is just covering the management's ass. That's what. Yeah, it is. but but at the same time, I, I understand what you're saying. And and as a, as a former player dealing with, you know, professional coaches and and you know guys who you know coaches that demand the locker room. If the players don't respect their coach, they're not going to play for him. Yeah, that's like anything. Yeah, it's it, you and know, and there, the are, there, are, there are times where where teams like you know what, like fuck this, we're not going to do it for the coach, let's do it for ourselves. You know what I mean? And that's what I kind of feel like the Bruins did this year with you know getting a hundred plus points, where they were kind of like fuck Cassidy, like we don't like him, but it's not about him, it's about these. 27 guys in this room you know what i mean it, it, that's what that that's the way i'm looking at it um agreed you know it's and i trust me i've been there i you know I, I have coaches that i played for that i'm like i just i'm not fucking i'm not gonna put my my body in the line for this guy if he doesn't respect me or or what i can do for the team you yeah, know? We don't, and why we should don't you know. <laughs> We don't know a lot that what went on behind the scenes. And I think part of that too, was just because of COVID rules still being in effect. Like you didn't really get a lot of the stories. Sometimes it's, you know, things would trickle out and I totally get that. And I, like I said, if it was time for Cassie to go, it's absolutely time for him to go. My, my thing is, is that, you know, if, if Cassie is going, I think, you know, Sweeney should definitely be going because, He's yes, he's had some, he's made some good moves on the end in as far as signing uh, his own guys back. He's his, his um, some of his trades have been good and they've been a little bit trick or treat. The real problem is, has been his drafting and he hasn't drafted and developed the way he's needed to to replenish what's left or what's leaving the system. So, what you have now is you have a you have a, a, a drain of talent. So, you know. You know, it's it's I heard a lot of the same things with Claude, like he's not developing the young players. And, he, you know, in the other but here's the other argument is that how many times you heard Bob Beers say, you know, this is the winning league. You know, it's not the coach's job at the big club to make sure that Jackson Nico is feeling is feeling good inside. And, you know, it's feeling right. And and that's I understand that. My thing is, is it's not it's not even that it's like, are they is he picking the right players? And I do agree that you need to be able to play for your coach. That's number one. If you if you don't like your coach, like if the coach is a ball buster all the time, you, you know, he's going to tune guys out. I get that. My thing is, is are they picking the right players? Jackson, Nico, one goal in 37 games. You know, um, you know, John Beach, Trent Frederick, like Trent Frederick played like a fucking nitwit. Like, is that is that on is that Cassidy or is that? It's that Trent Frederick just but, being an idiot. But the, you got in, you know, looking at looking at this from both sides. Yes, Cassidy's the head coach of the 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 big the big boy club, right? And mm-hmm. yes, he he has some part in player development. Not not I would say he probably has twenty five percent of player development. Hmm. The other seventy five percent is on the player development staff. In the AHL, you know, you, you, you've brought in Adam McQuaid as a player development specialist. Yep. It's on him to work with these kids, not Cassidy. Cassidy works with them 
when he when they're up at the big club, if when they're at practice, Cassidy can talk to him, things like that. But in my opinion, it's the it's the the minor leagues, it's the AHL, it's that player development program that they have. Yeah. Who's, it's their responsibility to get them ready, right? I look at it as okay. I'm a JV head coach, head JV yep. coach of a high school hockey team. Good my job is to develop these kids, get them to understand what it takes, and help them with those extra little things it takes for them to get to that next level. And that next level at, at this is varsity hockey. These guys' jobs, their next level is the NHL. And if the player development guys aren't doing their job, then Sweeney needs to pull back the door a little bit more and take a look at that staff as well. Yeah, no, it's totally, a, it's a full feeder system and everything builds off each other. Like not only are you developing the player, also developing how you want them to play for your organization. Like this is the Bruin way. This is the Braintree way. It's the same sort of thing. And I just think there's a, there was a disc, there ended up being a, a disconnect between Sweeney, player development and Cassidy. Like the whole thing now more than ever with the salary cap being tight as it is and not going up, you know, it's not as easy to get rid of guys. Like everything needs to work in a perfect synthesis and it just wasn't. And just, it, I think as time went on, it got more and more, you know, exacerbated, you know, it just, and I think Cassidy became more rigid and I think it alienated some of the players on this team. Like, you know, I mean, we could we, we get in, you know, spitball back and forth who it was, but I mean, you know, I think guys, I think you heard, um, who was it? Was it Fluto that said, um, you know, guys maybe are, um, or, or Raycroft said guys didn't have defined roles, maybe the way they were sold to by Sweeney when he was brought in. So I, I think maybe that was the case too. Let's also consider. Don't I mean this? This can go back all the way to when they let Chara go. You know, everybody in the room saw how that situation was handled, how his contract was. This is the captain of the club. This is this is the guy in the room. He's Big Z. That's what I said. And they mm-hmm. just let him walk, and he signed somewhere else for what a million dollars, barely. Not even. Not barely. even. Barely. Nine nine hundred thousand. No, seven hundred fifty. I mean, for God's sakes, we could have kept him for that. But you know the other the other issue I I think with the Bruins organization is if you look at like their staff, right? You have Cam Neely, ex-Bruin, Don Sweeney, ex-Bruin, Chris Kelly's an assistant coach, ex-Bruin, Adam McQuaid, player development specialist, ex-Bruin, PJ Axelson, scout for the Bruins, ex you know ex-Bruin. I feel like they just have it's too they they don't have enough outside mindsets, outside voices. Fresh ideas. Exactly, because all these guys that are involved right now in the organization have had this mindset their entire career because this is how they played for the Bruins. This is what they were taught. This is what they're being now going out and looking for. Instead of bringing in someone from a completely different organization, a whole new voice, a whole new game plan of looking at things. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, now, didn't it, Cassidy play in the Bruins? Um, I don't. For a while? I don't remember to be honest. I think he, with he was you. drafted by Chicago. Let me. I'm gonna look it up right now. He was drafted the by internet. Chicago, and um, he played a bunch. See, he had a 
he was a high draft pick. He had a knee injury while he was playing for Chicago, and he was never quite the same. And he, uh, he ended up playing, I think, in the IHL for a bunch of years before he became a, a coach. Yeah, no, he never played. Yeah, no, uh, he never played. Never played for the Bruins. Yeah, but the only he guy. Also, he was a coach in the Providence Bruins for. Oh, let's see. A long time. He was an assistant coach for three years from 08 to 2011 and head coach from 2011 to 2016. Um, you know, so it, like that's kind of with Cassie aside, not being, you know, an actual like Bruins player, alumni, whatever. More than, you know. More than half. half more than half their staff is Bruins alumni. And he was with the Bruins since 08, too, the Providence Bruins and the Boston Bruins. So he, I mean, he has basically spent more of his coaching career in the Bruins organization than any other team he's been on. I mean, and not to say that say, you shouldn't bring in more alumni and whatnot, but in this particular case, after this amount of time, uh, this result, guys, it's just not working anymore. This isn't 1995, and you can't maintain that mindset. It's just a different world now. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's this game is evolving and changing every single day with the speed and skill of these players. And most of the teams in the league are, are working around that and, and, you know, adapting to it, except the Bruins. You know what I mean? It's like, the, I just feel like it's too, it's such too dry. And again, I'm one of the biggest Bruins fans. I love them to death. I will always love to be a Bruins fan, but their organization needs to make a change from top to bottom because you have too much old Bruin mindset running this organization instead of bringing in someone new and fresh and just a whole new voice to get, get things riled back up. Well, I, I agree. I, I think it's been uh, that, but this is why I was saying like, you know, either you bring everybody back as far as the coaching staff or you, or you fire everybody and start fresh. And I just, um, you know, I, I just find it disingenuous that Sweeney sat up there today and just, uh, you know, talked about, you know, how he talked about his winning percentage. And I'm like, it's the same winning percentage, basically, as fucking uh, Cassidy's. I mean, he's been I mean, he's been there basically the same amount of time. I mean, Sweeney was hired in 2015. Um you know, Cassidy took over a year, a little over a year later when Claude got fired <laughs> during the Patriots parade. Um, who That's forget that? right. You know, I forgot about here's that. Another, here's another thing I just got to say. I think it's, you know, of, I just think overall it's a, it's a disgrace how, how they, the last few, you know, big news items, whether it's injuries to players, the news drops at five o'clock. Like they're, they, they are firing coaches is at the end of the, like they, they try and sneak everything in. It's like, just announce it. If you're going to fire a guy, just, just announce it. Like it's it just, it, it's so, it, I just find it so, you know, uh, disgraceful. Like just announce that you're moving on. Um, and I think they knew that there was going to be backlash because I think, I, I think deep down he probably knows that he should be going too. Honestly, I think if if Don Sweeney looks in the mirror, I mean, you know, I, I think a whole the way everything is shaping up with the injuries, the Bergeron uncertainty, um, the insert, you know, the 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 issues, the upheaval with the roster, 
you know, players, players not happy with Cassidy. Um, I, I just think it, it was time for, it, it was time for a change overall with everything, you know, new coach, new GM, um, probably a new president, but again, Cam Neely runs the Bruins. And I think it's very easy. I, and here's one thing I wanted to get your opinion on this. When Cam Neely said a few weeks ago that it's Don's decision, doesn't that sort isn't that sort of an easy out for him? Like a scapegoating where it's like, hey, you know, Don's making the decision. So so he he he's basically um allowing Sweeney to cover for himself in, instead of you know owning the fact that you know he really needs to make this decision as president of hockey operations, GM and coach. Um you know, he'll, he allows that cover to have for himself that, Oh, you know, it's Don's decision. So he insulates himself. I just think that's, you know, a team president, you look at team presidents, that's not what they do. They're, they're involved with overall, you know, the, the course of direction of the team, the culture of the team. And I felt like in the beginning, Cam sort of had, you know, you could kind of tell the team kind of took on his persona a little bit when he first got involved in the late uh, 2000s. He was directly um, involved ice level for a while there too, before he finally went up to the box. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know what, I don't even know what Cam really does anymore. I, I just think he's kind of got a job for life and, and he's, uh, you know, he's going to protect, you know, Sweeney's there to protect him. And, uh, you know, he, he just, uh, he's going to, you know, they needed a scapegoat and it was, it was Cassidy and not saying that again, not the saying that he should have not been fired, but again, if you're going to fire both, if you're going to fire one, fire the other and start fresh. I mean, it's time to start fresh, fresh set eyes, fresh, you know, fresh ideas. Like Clancy said, I mean, I, he couldn't be more right. Clancy. They, they need to get away from the Bruins itis and kind of evolve. Bruinitis. Yeah. I mean, it's more than one change has to happen. Plain and simple. I mean, then you got to you got to fast forward to to the seat the start of the season, right? Whoever they bring in as a coach, okay, they have a new coach. You're now missing basically one, two, the, the five core pieces of your of your winning team. You have you're going to miss Marshawn, Bergeron, Grizzlick, um, McAvoy. McAvoy. I mean, I guess you can say Riley's a, a regular player, so he's five. Lindholm's still trying um, to pull himself together mentally. I mean, I mean Lindholm yeah. has brain damage. I mean, I, I, he can't be right. That that was not, that was a serious concussion. Mm-hmm. They may cut you off, Clance. No, 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 it's fine. I don't care. It, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be a lot, hopefully a lot of movement in the next couple months, but you can get the Pasternak thing out there too. That that's that's the most concerning thing to me. Like Clance, do you say say worst case scenario? Okay, not even not just Bergeron retires. Say say Clance that Pasternak says, "Look, I want to be traded." Do you do you trust Don Sweeney to maximize that return? No. Do you, no. Yeah. Either do I. Can't say that I, don't, I do. I don't trust him. If he gets a high pick for Pasternak, do you trust that he's going to draft the right guy? Like he, no. this is the same guy. Merrill, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, man, but I got to tell you, there is not one single other item from 2015 in my life that makes any difference on anything 
at this point in 2022 accept the memory of possibly one of the worst drafts the Bruins organization ever put on. And the guy that made those choices still has a job today. After all has been said, I still can't wrap my head around that. 2015 was forever ago. That n- nothing that happened in 2015 should matter today like like this does to this situation. Well, well, only a, it can only happen with a team like the Bruins where, you know, Charlie Jacobs isn't paying attention. I mean, I, you have the most talented draft since 2003, and you have three consecutive first-round picks, and they whiffed. I mean, Jabrowski is somewhat of a player. He, he's not a zero, but what they could have had, and it's the fact that the past two postseasons, it's been in your face between Barzal and Aho, and obviously other players, you know, Shabbat, um, you know, just it, it just it go down the list. It, it just um, it's just so infuriating. And the fact that Sweeney still has a job, no GM in any sport, I, I don't care. <laughs> Would, would survive that with such a, a colossal failure. I mean, the talent in that draft was unbelievable. And the fact that they whiffed, I just, again, I don't know how he still has his, oh, I do know how he has his job. Cam Neely. Cam, Cam Neely is his protector. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. I mean, Don Small wants to fit in, in Cam's pocket, so he's just going to stay there so Cam can protect him. All right, oh let me just do this because everyone goes over bars out. Here's some players. Uh, you had uh, Eric Sinek. You had uh, Brock Besser, Konechny, Bovillier, um, you know, uh, Aho. And those are just, you know, Eric Chernak. Like, it just is, it's just, it, it's just mind numbing. It really is. Vince Dunn, who was on uh, Trennan kid from uh, Nashville. I mean, I feel like half the league was from that draft. I mean, here here's one thing too, like hockey DB also do a thing like they'll do like a draft stats thing. So draft stats the the uh the average player in that, you know, and this is high for for a draft and this is only not even 10 years ago has played 170 games, 32 career goals, 83 career points. That is um you know, I mean, uh, Zach Sinitian, I mean, what is he, what is he done? He, he hasn't even come close to that. And neither, I mean, Saboro finally showed a little bit this year, but certainly not enough where you say you wouldn't have him over all any of those other players. Like, well, that, that's the other thing you got to look at. Zaboro just had full reconstructive knee surgery. Yeah, I get he's back skating and working out, but that knee's not going to be the same. He's not going to be the player that he possibly could have been now. Yeah. You know? It's a concern. Um, you know, and, and just going back to the, the Pasternak thing, like, I, no, I, I don't trust Sweeney with getting something in return, something feasible in return with, with trading him away. I mean, you, I, I feel like to, to trade Pasternak, you would have to get uh, a top 10 pick. Yep. You'd have to get a, a top six forward. And you'd have to get, I would Prospect. say, to get to get to get Pasnak to, to trade Pasnak in return, you would have to get a you know again a top six forward, a a top ten draft pick, 
and, and a top 10 prospect that's already in the system for an organization. Yeah, that's, I mean, and this is a guy who is, uh, you know, again, Sweeney, who did he, who was his under, you know, he studied under Peter Shirelli, who, going back to the, you know, Sagan trade, didn't even get a draft pick. I mean, isn't that, I find that unbelievable out of anything. Like, yeah, he traded, you know, he traded a stallion for, for a couple of uh, Palominos, but like to not get a fucking draft pick for, for Tyler Sagan. I mean, on what planet? You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I really, I really don't understand it. And it's, um, it, it's just so it, it's totally, totally infuriating. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good feeling about this team. E- even a week ago, I, I felt a little bit better about it. I mean, the two, two big developments to me is that you, we already knew about Martian, but the McAvoy thing, and then this Pasternak thing, has just come out of nowhere um, and it's really sort of picked up steam. And, um, you know, it, it's very concerning. And my, my concern is, is that Don Sweeney is just going to make a move to try and save his job. And he, he's not going to, he's not going to do what's in the best interest of the team. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah. He's going to do in the best interest of what's the best interest for Don Sweeney in saving his job. Yeah. I mean, you just you you kind of you kind of get that feeling, although, you know, I say that, and then on one hand, I just look at Cam Neely. I mean, I, I don't know how you you sit there and you say, you know, you you've done a great you've done a good enough job in in player development because again, like we said, you know, listen, Cassidy has his faults. You know, we we've heard the rumblings that that he can be an absolute prick, but it's not like a lot of these players who go into other organizations that they've drafted and have done anything. I mean, yeah, you know, Frank Vitrano's playing. Um, you know, Nola Chari was, he, I think Achari was a free agent out of college, but he, he more or less left just because he, he priced himself out because he played so well, but I mean, you don't see guys going and lighting it up. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be, that was sort of the complaint before, like, you know, 15 years ago where you'd had, you'd have, uh, you know, the, the Neely comment back when he used to give interviews, I'm tired of seeing our talent sprinkled about the league. Well, you know, there's not a lot of sprinkling going on with the Bruins because they just don't have uh, they just don't have a lot. They just don't have a lot coming up, and I mean, uh, I don't I don't know where they go from here. Um, you know, I heard Billy Jaffe talking too. Like Billy Jaffe, this is the most exasperated I've seen. I've heard. I don't know if you, you've you've listened to them their podcast, but they um, he's about as is uh, concerned as I've ever heard Billy Jaffe. You know, so it, it's I mean, if he's concerned. I think Bruins fans have every right to be concerned and, and alarmed and, you know, if not outraged. So I agree. I agree. I mean, the, the future is unknown to the Boston Bruins as far as I can see right now. It's pretty up in the air. There's too many components for this team to be called stable. And honestly, guys, it feels like we're on the brink of a full blown rebuild. It's truly what it feels like. I mean, coaching's in disarray. Players are in disarray, injured, dead, or worse. And what do we have to look forward to? What's in what's in the Providence system? There's a couple things, but not enough to make a team. I mean, they're not even in Providence right now. They're actually the two best prospects. One's in college, the other's in the Western League. <laughs> there you go. 
You know, I mean, we've got problems here in Boston. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not prepared to accept that uh, the end of a necessarily winning era is upon us here. But, ugh, man, it's looking worse and worse by the hour here. And the only thing that could make it worse is uh, is Bergeron making a negative decision at this point. It's hopefully we're not going to see that. We're going to think positive on this stuff here. If um, you were him, I, I was going to just, Ben, if you were him, would you come back to this? I wouldn't. At what point are we making the decision line here? Are we waiting another week to find out what truly happens or like right now just based off of what we got? I mean, they can't wait too long. I mean, basically, you know, they have between you've got draft, free agency. Um, it, it, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of time. So what? he's got maybe three or four weeks. Um, Honestly, if I'm Bergey, I say make, I make it another run. You got to make it another run. I mean, there's not another it's 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 more the legacy than anything else you know you just he can do whatever he wants and honestly i'd respect it because i don't have five yeah. selkies i'll tell you that and i'm not going to get anywhere close to that in my lifetime or most other people won't either um the guy's done something in the history books that not many others will probably ever do so no i i don't hold his decision against him either which way if i were him i'd come back one more season just to wrap this up and really put a bow on it. If it truly flounders this year and it's all bust, then time to hang them up. That's my decision. Yeah, but at the same time, though, Ben, I I agree with what you're saying, but I disagree at the same time because realistically, he comes back, they're still not making the playoffs. They're just not. Like, when you're missing your top defenseman for the next six months, that's going to hurt you. When you have Pasternak, who's pretty much got one foot out the door right now, that's going to hurt you. You know, Marshawn out for, for four to six months, that's going to hurt you. Like, there's going to be too much time in the season gone. No doubt. For us, to, for us to make a strong push. So, in my opinion, if I was Bergey, I'd call it a career. I mean, again, you know, absolutely valid decision if he decided to go that route. And if he does decide to come back, I'm just saying – it'd be more for like a goodbye tour, if anything else. And that's just mm-hmm. him. If he really wants to do another NHL season as a goodbye tour, but that's melodramatic and doesn't seem like the warrior that he is. Uh, you Dude, know, just, just go ahead. Ahead. sorry to cut you off, Merrill. Just a touch no, real no, quick no, on just the, to build the whole... off this. Do you think oh. like, is, you know, I, I, there's so much based on what Bergeron does here, uh, based on what Sweeney said and just looking at it, like if, you know, is the coaching hire basically, even though the, whether or not they ask Bergeron or not, but like if they, I, I think it's directly kind of correlates. Like if they bring in like a Rick bonus, a guy who's, who's got plenty of NHL experience, then I feel like it's almost more plausible that Bergeron comes back. Whether they hire a guy like Jay Leach or David Quinn or somebody like that, that has no NHL experience that, that, uh, you know, I don't know that, you know, if, if I think that would almost seal the deal of him not coming back, right? And them going full rebuild. See what I'm I, saying? I'm looking at the, the coaching side of things right now real quick. Um, putting the Berger on discussion aside. I personally would not bring back Rick Bonus. He's already been a coach for the Bruins. He, that's, he's got that Bruins mindset when he steps back, steps foot into this organization again. I know they're saying Jay Leach is the front runner. The fucking guy is a Bruins alum. He's going to do the same fucking thing all these other coaches have done. 
Like, think outside the box here, guys. Bring in a fucking Barry Trotz. Bring, hell, fuck, bring in a Mike Babcock. Give that oh, guy God. another chance. I'd take a Tortorella any day. You thought, <laughs> you thought that they thought Bruce Cassidy was mean and, and he played mind games? Wait till you get a hold of... Just bring in uh, a uh, whole, bring in a whole new voice that has never stepped foot inside TD Garden unless they were an opposing team's coach. Right, I can see that. I can see that. That's yep. what I hey, here it is. Bring in Patrick Waugh. Fuck yeah! I tell you, you know who I would I'd like pay to, money see? I was to see. I was going to ask this question too. In all seriousness, Clance, I was going to ask you who you would bring in or who you would like to see them bring in. I would just. A guy that checks in all the boxes and isn't a Bruins alum who is very well respected in the league uh, is Paul Maurice. That's a guy I'd like to see him, them bring in. I, I would like to see Paul Maurice. My front runner would be Barry Trotz. Yeah, I, I'm I think st- I'm sticking with the Wa. <laughs> I like that one. I, I, I think. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm not sure that they're going to pay for a big name coach. Like I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Barry Trotz come in. But between that and I think there's better jobs out there. You know what I mean? In terms of like, um, his Dallas name to coach has his Vegas name to coach. I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, a guy who could check off all the boxes, a guy who, if you like, when you talk to people in Winnipeg or, or read stories, like Paul Maurice, very well respected in the room in, uh, in, in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. uh, was very well respected when he was in Carolina, all the way going all the way back to Hartford. Like, He's a guy that I think would command instant respect. Um, he's been around. Um, he's developed young players. He's developed a, he had a really nice nucleus in uh, Winnipeg. The wheels kind of fell off a little bit, but I mean, overall, I, I think he could do a, a hell of a lot worse. And I think that that bridges the gap for the older players that are on the roster. And I think it's a fresh voice and a fresh set of eyes for the newer players in the roster. And uh, in, in, I, I, in that's, that's maybe my guy, but, you know, I agree. Thus any, anybody, but just let's get away from the Bruins, you know, mint, let, let's try something different, please. Yep. And you know, now let's talk about why trying something different is such a good idea. Let's talk about what happened last night, the Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche. Unbelievable is all I can say. Edmonton swept right out of the conference finals. But you know what? What an entertaining couple of games. I mean, Daryl Sutter called it best. Whoever draws Colorado, I'm sorry. Best of luck to you. <laughs> you know, and that's been true to form. Um, guys, your opinion um, before we move on to final thoughts and all, just on the conference finals. What a wild ride it's been. Obviously, Colorado, we just uh, were talking about it with Edmonton. And then the surprise, the Rangers and the Lightning. Yikes. That's all I can say. Um, Marshall, start us off here. Your thoughts on uh, the sweep? Well, my thoughts on the sweep, I watched last night. Uh, Edmonton was up two goals. Um, then Colorado rallied like they always do. And, um, you know, they just, the Avalanche are just so even without Kadri, even without a couple other pieces um, that they're missing, they just force you to play at that frenetic pace. Um, And you need, you know, Mike Smith, you know, he he was, I said at the beginning of the playoffs that he was going to be Edmonton's weak link. You did. uh, I remember. I know it's easy to blame the goaltender, but some of those saves, 
he really needed to make. Um, but Colorado hats off to them. I mean, they are, they are playing on another level. And, and I just, I can't help but kept thinking back to the Bruins and I'm like, it looks like they're, it looks like the Oilers and Avalanche are playing a different sport. But then when you, you, you translate it back to the Bruins and, um, you know, I, I feel like every five years, you know, over the past 15, the game evolves like every five years, like it's, it's crazy to say it's even got faster than it was, you know, when Pittsburgh won back-to-back cups, like it's gone to another level of speed and skill. And, uh, you know, same thing with the the Rangers and, and, and lightning, you know, I, I feel like of those four top uh, final four teams that the lightning are the slowest of the teams. I mean, I know that's crazy to say, and we used to say how fast the lightning are. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of frightening when you think it back to the Bruins and you know, what they're, what they're going to have to do to, to compete um, with these top echelon teams. It just feels like right now they're light years away. Um, but it was an unbelievable series. I just wish it was, I just wish that Oilers avalanche series was longer. I wish we got five or six games at least. Obviously oh, I wish it was right. seven. But, oh, that was such I mean, a that was amazing hockey. Clance, what do you think? Um, I thought it was one of the, I mean, I'm pretty sure I said a few weeks ago I had them going seven games. Uh, well, fuck me because that was wrong. Um, but those four games were extremely exciting to watch. The speed, the skill between both teams. I mean, McDavid was at a whole new level. McKinnon, that, that fucking guy was just on a rampage out there. Um, hey, I, I had a feeling Colorado was going to get there. Now they're going to sit back and relax. And I'm watching the game four of uh, Tampa Rangers right now. Tampa's up 2 nothing in the game with um, 30 seconds left in the second. And Rangers are up 2-1 in the series. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect the Rangers to win two games in this series. Um, but I think not having Braden Point in the lineup for the Lightning is hurting them. Granted, Kucherov is stepping up, Stamkos, Palat. Hagel, like all these guys are stepping up, but you know, point is there's only one Braden point in the NHL. I can tell you that. Um, no, they need him if they're going to be, if they do end up advancing to face Colorado, they yeah, need no. him to have any shot. Oh, I agree. But the, I mean, just going back to the, the Edmonton Colorado series real quick, like Mike Smith, like I get it. It was kind of like a Cinderella story, him getting him to the second round and this and that, but like, Dude, you're 40 years old. Like, you you can't – you're not able to keep up with these young guns. Like, I don't I don't think they should have went with him in game three or four. I, I think they should have went with Koskinen. I mean, when Koskinen played in the regular season, he was, he was fucking top-notch. He was solid. I mean, yeah, he had some bad games here and there. But when he stepped in when Smith was hurt, he was one of the better goalies in the league at the time. You know, I, I think having a new set of eyes back there would – would have, I think, let them win a game or two. Um, but it, it was it was such a fun series to watch. And uh, you guys know me, like, I'm an early bed guy, but I stayed up and watched those games till the end, and they were, they were fucking awesome to watch, man. They really were. Yeah. Um, same thing with the Rangers and Lightning series. Like, this is a great series to watch. You know, Shesterkin, Shishkishkin, whatever his fucking name is. You have been messing that up for two years now, and I love it. And I'm going to mess it up for another fucking 20. <laughs> the, only time, the only time I'll probably ever pronounce it right is when I'm fucking 10 beers deep. 
Um, true. It's true. But yeah. you know, the you know whole Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky like this like. I don't think anyone expected Chesterkin to be where I don't think I said his fucking name remotely nope. close at all. Yeah, you you were way off on it. that one. <laughs> Shesterkin. Uh, Samsonite. I was he way said off. Samsonite. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a, a really fun series to watch, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching the third period as uh, I fall asleep in bed, and you know, see see what happens. Well, no, not related to hockey. I noticed that you're not, you don't have that sling contraption on Glance. No, I, uh, progress? I am, I'm making some, you know, some, some headway on the, uh, the shoulder recovery. I've been out of the sling now. Uh, it will be two weeks on Thursday. Um, it's like a whole, whole new fucking world. I can tell you that. Uh, it's nice to be able to wipe my ass again. I can tell you. Strumming your banjo. <laughs> Uh, but no, the, you know, the recovery is going good. It's, um, it's a long road, you know, still doing PT twice a week. I got it tomorrow morning at 7am. Uh, you know, I, I am making, I, I think, you know, based off discussions with my, my physical therapist, I'm probably about, you know, 20 to 30 days ahead of my nice full recovery. Um, uh, with, with, obviously with that being said, like, I still got to limit my, Bill, like I still can't lift up my kids. I can't really do a whole lot with the arm. Um, can you lift the you know, beer? I, I can't. I can lift the beer. I can do this. Right. Very, very good, actually. Um, but no, he actually the original. As you guys know, I'm a very, I'm an avid golfer, um, and I, I've been dying to get on the course. And this is going to be the first year since I've been a dad. So four years now that I'm not able to golf on Father's Day, which is what I've always done. It's always been. Me, my dad, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, the four of us would just go out and play around the golf and have some beers and just, you know, talk, basically talk about how awesome it is to be a dad. Um, but I, I did get some positive news because originally I was told, you know, and really no chipping or putting or anything until like end of July, beginning of um, August. I'm actually able to start doing, he just gave me the green light as of Monday morning. So I can start doing some small chipping and putting and getting that motion going and, Hopefully by August, um, end of August, beginning of September, I can really swing a club normally again. Awesome. No, it feels good. Um, again, I think one of the benefits now is I can wipe my own ass. That's probably the most shining example of humanity that I've heard no. all week long. Congratulations. Best news, best news of the day. No, no fucking lie, guys. I, I'm, I'm going off the fucking reels for a little bit here. Have you ever tried to fucking wipe your ass with your opposite hand? It's not easy. Not your dominant hand doesn't work. It, it's fucking awkward as hell. Oh yeah. I, I like. I'm not used to going back like this. I would get like fucking muscle cramps in my ribs and stuff. I'm like, this is just uncalled for. <laughs> and then when I was able to like go like this, I'm like, oh, this is like fucking Christmas. <laughs> you need to take a yoga class to wipe your own ass. <laughs> Seriously, but no, um, it, it, it's it's good. You know, I I feel it's good. good. It's um, feels clean. Feels good. Still got a, still got a, yeah, my ass, my, my ass feels fucking awesome. You know, I, I don't have to buy any new underwear anymore. It's, it's really things are going, things are looking less brown over here. Things are looking <laughs> up and a lot less skitty. Oh, that's oh, good. Oh, my God. Well, God that's good. God, God help that. us all. Uh, yeah, I noticed that you, uh, you didn't have the, the contraption on. So that was, that's oh, great, man. I got to do this. I was telling Ben before we signed on, I got to do this fucking thing. 
three times a day. What's that, the Theragun? Yeah. Yep. I just fucking sit here and... At least that's what he calls it. Yeah. Call it the fucking paint tickler. Used to be a price checker at uh, Walmart. They call, they call it the price checker. Oh, this isn't the price checker. It's the fucking paint tickler. It's the blue light special. That's what it is, baby. Calls it the French tickler. Exactly. Afraid of Felcher. Exactly. Oh, God. Exactly. All right. No, uh, that's why. Things wild. are going good. Things are going good. Glad to hear that. I'm glad things Better are on the, the up and up. That's for sure. Oh, somebody just flush it and get it over with. So, so looking at this now, we've got. You've got they got to hire a coach. There's one episode. They're gonna have the draft. That's another episode. The free agency is another episode, and the Bergeron decision. So that's four huge things that are you know not in any particular order, obviously that uh, that are gonna be coming up. So it's gonna be I mean, wild. It's times. gonna be a it's gonna be a, a very um, interesting off season, and it's gonna be. Uh, I mean, this is the this is like I said before, biggest off season they've had in fifteen years by a mile. Well, we'll see what happens. But as always, folks, you'll hear about it right here on Causeway Kings and Clance. Once you get back into golf form, I can't wait for our Causeway King Classic. That's going to be awesome. We'll talk more about that in a later episode. But boys, I want to uh, thank you once again for joining us here, as always, and folks. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in wherever you find your podcast content. We appreciate you listening. And, of course, more information and fun at WMEXBoston.com. Click on podcasts. Eventually, we're going to have our own whole page. It's going to be great. So I'll keep everybody up to date on that. Boys, in the meantime, as always, have a great rest of your week. We'll check in with you guys next time. On behalf of all the Causeway Kings, even the ones here in spirit today, we're talking about Beacon, we're talking about Chigs, especially our buddy BJ, Brian Johnston, who is recovering right now in the hospital. Uh, speedy recovery to you, my friend, and we'll keep everybody updated. But everything otherwise than that, let's go bees, boys. We'll catch you next time. Folks, have a great night. <laughs>